I like to start my lessons periodically with, with a question or two. And every now and then I ask you to raise your hand. By the way, I need to back up a moment. Um, I asked a couple of weeks ago if you had ever heard of the furs, and a lot of you didn't raise your hand. Well, that's on me. I was corrected later. I think the first time I ever heard it, it was the furs, and it's actually the furries. <laughs> so I'm not going to go back there. Um, but another a question I want to ask you this morning, and, and I want to see a raise a hand, a show of hands. If um, if you're lazy as dirt, raise your hand. Okay, Marcus raised his hand. We got several that are raising their hands. Maybe I need to ask that question again. If you're lazy as dirt, raise your hand. I know you're just playing with me. <laughs> Camden raises his hand no matter what I. If, 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 if your dad just doesn't have a clue, raise your hand. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that, that worked out to your benefit, Trent. I want to talk a few moments this morning about work, but not the work that you do every day at your place of employment or, or whatever it is that you typically do during the course of a day. I want to talk about work that you put into your Bible study. And I'm going to ask you to think with me for just a moment about a statement that the Apostle Paul made admittedly to a preacher, and I'm going to address that in just a moment. Don't, don't dismiss this and say, well, that's just preacher talk for preachers, and that doesn't apply to me. But I want you to think about the statement that Paul made to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 where he wrote to him to be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Now, just focus in on some of the words in that verse. Diligent workman. What does it mean to be diligent? Well, to be diligent is to work. And really, you can't say that you're working without there being some diligence involved in the work it is that you do. But in terms of Bible study, in terms of being able to accurately handle the word of truth, are you guilty of being a diligent workman? But Paul also states that if you are going to be this person, then you will position yourself so as to be approved to God. We sometimes dismiss or disconnect from God and forget that God is not only watching us when we do bad things, but God is watching us when we do good things and we make an effort to do the things that he expects of us. Well, God is watching us in terms of our, our Bible study. He's looking at the way we approach our study of the Scriptures. And what God sees when we approach our study of the Scriptures is a person who is either approved or is not. Now, he also says, one who does not need to be ashamed. If you've ever had a Bible discussion with someone studying maybe a topic that is an issue of controversy or maybe there's a difference in, in belief or faith, then you understand this. Because they may ask a question or they may open their Bibles and they may be able to present error from the Scripture better than you can present the truth. And that is a cause, a reason to be ashamed. Does that describe 
the person that you are. And all of this is to be to the end that we are able or capable of accurately handling the word of truth. And implicit in that statement is that we may not be accurately handling the word of truth. We may be handling the word of truth. We may be handling the Bible. We may be teaching or speaking of the Bible, but we're not doing so with accuracy or position. Precision. Precision. <laughs> what does God see when he looks at the way I approach my study of the Bible? I wanted to talk about this this morning because it's the beginning of a new quarter. Here's a, here's a good opportunity to, to, to uh, rekindle your desire to study, to rekindle your interest in Bible study. And I understand that you can study on your own, but there's a lot of benefit to studying in a class situation. I was in Trent's class this morning, and there, there were many good comments, comments that maybe would not have gone through Trent's mind as the teacher that came out from the students. Many good comments, and that's one of the blessings and the benefits of coming together in a corporate setting, in a group setting, and studying the Word of God. And we have opportunities to do that here. We have opportunities to do that Sunday morning. As I mentioned earlier, we have an opportunity to do that on Wednesday night as, as well. But who is that diligent workman? Who is that person? Well, I want to suggest to you, number one, it's the one who embraces the responsibility to know the Word. It's not just someone who acknowledges the responsibility. There are a lot of responsibilities in life that we may acknowledge. We may recognize, but there's a huge difference between the person who recognizes or acknowledges a responsibility and someone who just embraces it. The person who is diligent, the person who can be described as a workman, that is the person who is embracing the responsibility. Now, I said earlier that admittedly Paul was writing to a preacher. He was writing to an evangelist. But I want you to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I want you to notice in verse 12, first, the latter part of the verse. Paul writes to Timothy, and he writes to Timothy this. Show yourself, this is the latter part of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, show yourself an example of those who believe. Well, if Timothy was charged with the responsibility of being diligent to present himself as a wordman, approved to God, not ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, and Timothy was also charged with certain responsibilities that would allow him to be an example of those who believe, then we understand that if there is an example, there's going to be those who follow that example. And so what Paul was imposing upon Timothy was the responsibility to set an example. But we have the responsibility to follow that example. And what Paul was encouraging Timothy to do was to embrace these responsibilities. Now you'll also notice at the, at the beginning of verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example. Well, if you look at each one of those, how do you come to have proper speech, proper conduct, proper love, proper faith, and, and purity? It's through study of the Word. You don't know what purity is in the eyes of God unless you study 
His Word. You don't, you don't know what the proper conduct is unless you study His Word. So if you want to be a diligent wordman, you study with those thoughts in mind. Notice also in verse 15. Take pains with these things. Take pains and be absorbed in them. When I open up the book, I open it up to read it, and that's good. You need to be reading the Bible. When I open up the book and maybe I'm reading a book about the Bible, that's good. But when it comes to really digging into the Scriptures, I'm going to have to take pains with that process. I'm going to have to be absorbed in it if I'm going to be able to accurately handle the word of truth. That's what it means to embrace the responsibility so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself, you're approved to God, and those who hear you, your children, your co-workers, those who come within your sphere of influence, your brothers and sisters in Christ, as they listen to you speak or teach, and speak or teach, as it were, the oracles or the utterances of God, they're going to be influenced by that. Acts 17, verse 11. Those in Berea were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with eagerness, but they also examined the Scriptures daily. When you go to your physician for an examination, if you walked in there for your examination and your physician is standing on the other side of the room, maybe he's playing a game on his cell phone, or maybe he's doing something on the other side of the room, he throws a question out or two, and he said, okay, you're good, go. Do you feel like you've undergone an examination? You know what an examination is. He's going to ask you a bunch of questions. He's going to poke. He's, go he's going to check your heart. He's going to check your blood pressure. He's going to do a lot of different things. What does it mean to examine the Scriptures? It means to do more than just listen to them from a distance. It means to get involved. It means to be absorbed with these things. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, we are commanded, it's not a suggestion, we are commanded to test the spirits. And what he's referring to there, if you look at the verse, he's talking about false teaching or false prophets. You've got to be able to know the word in order to be able to set what you're being taught against the word and know whether or not it's the truth. That's why we study. That's why we're commanded to be certain things in the eyes of God. And we all need to be students of the Word. The diligent workman also has a desire to gain an understanding of God's wisdom. Here we go. It's not just another book. It's not just a good book of literature. It's a great book of literature. But it's more than that. Whenever you open up the book, whenever you open up the Bible, what you are doing is exposing your mind to the wisdom of God. I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 4 and listen to the words of the author of this proverb as he speaks about wisdom. Notice the desire to have that understanding. Beginning at verse 5, Proverbs chapter 4, acquire wisdom acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her 
and she will guard you. Guard you from what? Guard you from evil thinking. Guard you from evil places. Guard you from evil practices. Love her and she will watch over you. He's personifying wisdom. Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. What does that mean? That means it begins with a desire. A desire for an understanding of God's wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. This is taking pains with these things. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. beauty. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Now, the person who sees God's wisdom as all of that is going to be a diligent workman. The person who recognizes all the blessings and the benefits that accrue for the sake of those who are studying God's word, they will study with diligence. I said earlier that it's more than just a book. Well, we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, don't we? Nothing new here. When Paul was writing to Timothy and he said that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus from childhood. You've exposed your mind to the wisdom of God. When we come to Bible class... We are exposing our minds to the the wisdom of God. When we bring our children to our Bible classes, we have dedicated teachers who are diligent, diligent in preparation, and they are sharing God's wisdom with our children. He also goes on and he says in verse 16 that all Scripture, it's God-breathed. It is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching. This is what we ought to be teaching. It's profitable for reproof, for correction. It can change us for training in righteousness. Training. Training, what is that? That's diligence. That's being being absorbed in these things. That's taking pains with these things so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. We are preparing ourselves for opportunities that God will present before us as we study the scriptures. And that's why, again, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, we are to long for the pure milk of the word like babies. Well, that's, 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 that's a, a desire, isn't it? That's a desire to know and to understand. That's the diligent workman. And then the diligent workman studies for a grand purpose. And that grand purpose is to become a soul winner. We sing that song, don't we? I want to be a soul winner. I want to be a soul winner for Jesus. Well, you know, so many, so many of the songs that we sing, we're not really thinking about what it is that we're committing ourselves to in the singing of those songs. Do we really want to be a soul winner? Do we want to win the souls of our children? Do we want to win the souls of our spouses? Do we want to win the souls of our parents or our co-workers 
or our brothers and sisters in Christ, do we really want to be a soul winner? Well, you can't win souls unless you know the wisdom that is able to make others wise unto salvation. The Great Commission. There's so much in that Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus told the disciples to go and to make disciples of all the nations to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and then to teach them to observe all that I commanded you. You know what I'm going to ask you, don't you? Because you've heard me ask this question before. What did he just command them to do? What did he just command them? You teach them, when they become disciples, you teach them all that I commanded you. What did he just command them? To go into all the world and to teach and to preach and to baptize and to make many disciples. Well, a study of God's word will impress upon your mind the importance of that. For example, in Luke chapter 15, if you're studying the parables of Jesus, you can't come away from a study of those parables not having an understanding that this is of great importance to God. Notice in chapter 15 and verse 3, he told them this parable saying, What, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, and he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture, and he goes after the one who is lost until he finds it? When does he give up? He doesn't. He keeps searching for that lost sheep until he finds it. And then what happens when he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and he's rejoicing. He's happy that he found the lost sheep. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What's the message? The message is be a soul winner. You can't be a soul winner if you don't have the knowledge and the wisdom, the basis of the foundation upon which a soul can be won. Now look at the next parable. What woman, if she has ten silver coins and she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully for it until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends. She does the same thing. And neighbors, and she says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. And in the same way, I tell you again, that there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Well, it's, if it's important to heaven then shouldn't it be important? Shouldn't it be important to us? Shouldn't it be important to us? And again, the key is, is knowledge. The key is understanding. The key is knowing what one must do to become a child of God. In, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the, the Hebrew author said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now that wasn't a preacher conference. That wasn't a Bible class conference teacher conference. These were Christians to whom he was writing. And he was writing about them. He was comparing Jesus' priesthood to that of Melchizedek. And, and he said, I, I have much more to say about him, but you can't understand it. You, you can't get this. You can't grasp this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you should be able to teach this to others. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
Well, the way you become a soul winner is that you become a diligent workman. You become a person who knows the truth. You become a person who is approved to God and who does not need to be ashamed and who is accurately handling the word of truth so that you can teach others. Is it important to really get involved in studying God's word? Is it important to be a diligent workman? Is it important to encourage others to do the same and to be an encouragement by way of your example? Is that important? The lesson is yours. Let's go to God now in prayer.